Hey guys, welcome to the third installment of Of African Descent. I want to apologize to you guys right now because once again, we're going to have George on as our guest. Um, but we we do have an interesting topic today. We're going to be talking about Jane Manning James. She's also a very, very early uh, member of the LDS Church who happens to be African-American. And she has a very unique, uh, interesting story that I think you guys are going to like. So thanks for tuning in to episode three. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us once again on Of African Descent. Uh, here today I got George Pettis with me. He's one of my childhood friends. Um, I'll let him tell you a little bit more about himself here in just a minute. But uh, just a reminder, my name is Jamal. I'm going to be your host for this lovely experience we're going to have. Uh, today, the topic of our show is going to be Jane Manning James. She's one of the earliest members of the LDS Church. Um, sorry, one of the earliest African-American members of the LDS Church. Uh, and I think one of the most monumental. So I think it's a good starting point for us. Um, I think all of her efforts and, and her story is definitely one that we should start off with hearing. So before we begin all that, I do want to go ahead and introduce my best friend, my guy, George. George, you want to tell him a little bit about yourself? Yep. Uh, my name is George Pettis uh, from Washington, D.C. Uh, I am studying biology education right now. Um, just like any good person i love hip-hop anime um science uh excited to be on the podcast we kind of it's 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 honestly a little weird because we see eye to eye on a lot of things but for some things surprisingly we don't so i thought that he'd definitely be one of a, a a good choice to have here on the show um so before we started the show we actually or actually sent over to george a little bit of study material um, and I have it here in front of me, and I hope you guys have it pulled up. If not, it's on our blog. Uh, it's on our blog, our Facebook, our Instagram. It's on all of our social media platforms, um, just so that you guys can study up if you want to, to kind of read through it with us. Uh, but the first thing that we have up is the autobiography of Jane Manning James. Um, and that's actually on the church's website. It's just history.churchofjesuschrist.org. Um, and it starts off here, has a nice picture of her. And then it starts off with a little summary, a little brief synopsis of her life. I'm going to read it just real quick for you guys. Jane Manning James was born into a free black family in Connecticut in 1822. She joined the church in 1841 and was active in the faith until her death in 1908. During her nearly seven decades of church membership, Jane lived in the, ho in the homes of Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, served the 1850 cricket crisis and was baptized for ancestors in the Salt Lake Temple after dedication. She also raised 10 children, helped her neighbors through difficult times, and shared her testimony of the gospel. Around 1900, Jane dictated her life, her life story to Elizabeth J.D. Roundy, a pioneer in family history efforts. The short autobiography represented Jane's life as she wanted it to be remembered. She told Sister Roundy that she wanted it read at her funeral. Over a century after that funeral, the example of Jane Manning James continues to inspire Latter-day Saints, and her brief life sketch remains a precious link connecting us with the first generation of those who embrace the restored gospel. I think that's an awesome little, little start to her story here. 
Um, no, I, I so, uh, and it talks a little bit about it um, throughout the article, but I think it's important to note that this um, that this was happening during a time of extreme slavery. So slavery was very, very much a thing at this point. Um, there were some people who were um, being able to get their freedom, but it was very, very common practice to still um, have slaves. Um, racism was still very, very um, prevalent. Um, and so I think that some of the, yeah, so a lot of a lot of the interactions she has um, is indicative of the time in which this happened. Oh, no, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it says here that she joined the church in 1841, and we know the, I mean, the Emancipation Proclamation wasn't even signed until 1863. So she joined while slavery was still a very much so prominent thing. So thank you for adding that. I think that is something we should keep in mind while we read her autobiography. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and read this childhood and conversion summary, and then, George, if you can take it away with the next paragraph under it, that'd be, that'd be great. Though slavery was rare in Connecticut, well before it was abolished under state law in 1848, conditions were difficult for the state's black inhabitants. Opportunities were limited and discrimination intense. Jane worked as a living servant from childhood, but her life story shows her strong sense of independence and deep longing for a fuller religious experience. When a child only six years old, uh, I left my home and went to live with a family of white people. Their names were Mr. and Mrs. Joseph Finch. They were aged people and quite wealthy. I was raised by their daughter. When about 14 years old, I joined the Presbyterian Church, yet I did not feel satisfied. It seemed to me there was something more that I was looking for. I had belonged to the church about 18 months when, I, when an elder of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints was traveling through our county, our country um, and preached there. Uh, see, one thing I wanted to point out about that is it says in her autobiography that she um, joined the Presbyterian Church, but recently there was uh, a book written about her, and the book was about it was about it was just solely about Jane Manning James, uh, and it talked about whether or not she was a slave and whether or not the church that she joined at first was actually a Presbyterian church or a Congregational church. Um, the name of the book is Your Sister in the Gospel. It's a very recently published book. I think it came out just last year in 2019. Um, but it, it's from it's from Dr. Newell is her name, Dr. Quincy Newell. Uh, she wrote a book called Your Sister in the Gospel, and it's about that. But it's, it's very interesting. She doesn't think that she was actually in the Presbyterian Church um, because the Presbyterian Church, and I might be a little wrong on this, but they she explains that the Presbyterian Church and the Congregational Church uh, kind of joined into one and people didn't really know what to call them and so most of the people who were in the congregation just called it the presbyterian church yeah so there is a lot of um questioning if she was actually in the presbyterian church because that was kind of just like a a, a token use for all churches in that area they were just oh the presbyterian church exactly yeah no um sorry go ahead you were going to say something uh, no, i do uh, also think a lot of historians point out um, that Jane was very adamant that she was not a slave. Um, she, throughout the autobiography, she talks about how well she was treated, um, I think because she was very conscious of the lives of so many people around her. Um, and her mother was actually a slave. 
Um, and so I think she very well understands what slavery is. And so she wants to, to make it clear that she is not a slave. Yeah, no, I think um, that's something I was going to touch on a little bit later, uh, just because I saw the movie Jane and Emma. I don't know if you've seen that, George, if you heard about it, but it's about Jane Manning James and her relationship with um, Emma Smith, Joseph Smith's first wife. Um, and, and Joseph Smith, for those of you who don't know, this first time listening, uh, Joseph Smith is the founding prophet of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, uh, but no, yeah, they had a an interesting, it's, it's interesting. We'll talk a little bit more about it later, the Jane and Emma relationship and kind of the dynamic that they had in the household, um, at least from what the movie depicted. Uh, but if you're still in the same document, the autobiography of Jane Manning James on the LES website, we want to go ahead and there's the next session is the journey to Nauvoo. Um, it's a very sad and depressing journey, as you can imagine. Um, they were they were black people or African Americans in a time where racism was very extreme, um, and they didn't really have great means of getting there, so they walked. They walked most of the way, all the way to Nauvoo. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and, and scroll on down to where it says, in the same section, it says, we, when we found it. We want to go ahead and start focusing on when Jane Manning James was introduced to uh, Emma Smith and the jo- Joseph Smith and the, kind of the LDS religion. So uh, if you scroll down to says when it says, when we found it, I'll start reading right now. When we found it, Sister Emma was standing in the door, and she kindly said, come in, come in. Brother, Brother Joseph Smith said to some white sisters that were present, Sisters, I want you to occupy this room this evening with some brothers and sisters that have just arrived. Brother Joseph placed the chairs around the room, and he went and brought Sister Emma and, Doc, Sister Emma and Dr. Bernheisel, I think is how it's pronounced, and introduced, introduced them to us. Brother Joseph took a chair and sat down by me and said, You have the head of this little band. You are the head of this. You've been. Brother Joseph took a chair and sat down by me and said, You have been the head of this little band, haven't you? I answered, Yes, sir. He then said, God bless you. Now I would like you to relate your experience and your travels. I relate to them all that I have. I related to them all that I have above. I related to them all that I have above stated and a great deal more minutely as many incidents has passed from my memory since then. Brother Joseph slapped Dr. Bernheisel on the knee and said, What do you think of that, doctor? Isn't that faith? The doctor said, Well, I rather think it is. If it had been me, I fear I should have backed out and returned to my home. He then said, God bless you. You are among friends now and you will be protected. They sat and talked to us a while, gave us words of encouragement and good counsel. So you see that, George, I think, I mean, when they got there, they were super happy to see him. I think that uh, just from that little excerpt that Emma and and Jane could have probably had a really good relationship because as soon as they got there, Joseph was like, hey, right away, let's take care of these guys. You know, everyone come help. Everyone treat these people like their family. So I think it, it probably was a pretty good relationship, uh, you know, even though a lot of people think it was just... She was a slave instead of, you know, a family member. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that it was um, a, a overall good relationship. I also think that there may be um, part of this that we have to recognize that she may have 
perceive things differently because she is so used to how white people are treating other people that look like her. Um, but that's such an extreme that anything not like that, then she may be like, oh, this is amazing. Like, oh, not constant um, assaulting and, and racial slurs. Oh, this is amazing. Um, so I think that might be um, something to keep in mind. Yeah, a point of reference to keep in mind that that may be a little bit um, a little bit of what's happening. Yeah, that's awesome. I didn't I didn't think about that. I mean, I kind of got when I watched the movie Jane and Emma, I kind of got that that impression. Honestly, if we're being honest, I watched the movie and it kind of gave me the at least the first 30, 45 minutes of it kind of gave me that like, oh, this woman, Emma, is being like, you know, my uh, my savior almost like, whoa, yeah. what would I do without her? She's Definitely. she's everything to me. You know, I don't want to I don't want to, you know, speak badly about the movie, but that's kind of the impression that it gave off for a little bit. And I and I haven't come across anything um, when researching this that suggests that. Um, Joseph Smith and Emma were in any way um, abusive or overtly racist, but I do, I do wonder if that is where um, Jane's perspective is coming from of just comparing comparing the other relationships she's seen um, with white people and black people, and just seeing how vastly different they are, and being like, "Oh, that's crazy amazing." Yeah, no, that's. I'm glad you brought that up because a little a little bit later on, I'm going to talk a little bit about. Uh, her relationship with Brigham Young, because after she was in, was helping the Smith family, she was in uh, the Brig, the Young, I guess, household, helping them out. Um, but no, yeah, it's an interesting little dynamic they had in that household with, you know, plural wives, which is a co- very common thing back then, and um, and a new person, a new woman in their household working, you know. But uh, let's let's continue on reading, George. If you can just pick up at the very next paragraph, we all stayed there one week. Yep. Uh, We all stayed there one week. By that time, all but myself had secured homes. Brother Joseph came in every morning to say good morning and ask how we were. During our trip, I had lost all my clothes. They were all gone. My trunks were sent by canal to the care of Charles Wesley Wendell. One large trunk full of clothes and all my descriptions mostly new. One morning that my folks and I had left to go to work, on the morning. I was reading the same thing, actually. On the morning that my folks and I left to go to work, I looked at myself clothed in the only two pieces I possessed. I sat down and wept. Brother Joseph, Brother Joseph came into the room as usual and said, Good morning. Why? Not crying, are you? Yes, sir, I said. The folks have all gone and gotten themselves homes, and I haven't gotten none. He asked, he said, yes, you have. You've got a home right here if you want it. You mustn't cry. We'll dry up all those tears. I said, I've lost my trunk and all my clothes. He asked, he asked how I had lost them. I told him I put them in care of Charles, Charles Wesley Wendell and paid him for them. And he had lost them. That's, I mean, that's just a crazy situation right there on its own. Yeah. She's came all this way. She walked all the way to Nauvoo with her family and all of her belongings. And as soon as she gets there, she realizes, oh, now I only have two pieces of clothing. A little crazy. And this is uh, a time where she's away from her family, where she hasn't been Mm -hmm. in in a long time. And so she's experiencing that stress and then just the stress of a new environment and not really understanding what is happening. 
Yeah. For her, when it when it rains, it it pours. Uh, Brother Joseph said, "This is the next paragraph. We're gonna so we're gonna go on down to the next paragraph." It says, "Brother Joseph said, don't cry. You shall have your trunk and clothes again.'" Brother Joseph went out and brought Sister Emma in and said, "Sister Emma, here is a girl that says she has no home. Haven't you a home for her?" Why, yes, if she wants one, he said. She does. And then he left us. Sister Emma said, what can you do? I said, I can wash, iron, cook, and do housework. Then she said, when you are rested, you may do the washing, if you would just as soon do that. I said, I am not tired. Well, she said, you may commence your work in the morning. Already from that alone, I like Jane. Just because, you know, she gets there and there's this lady who's who's hardworking and ready to get work, ready to start working right away. And she's like, no, you know, take a day. Relax a little bit. Give it a, give it a break. Um, but I think it's really interesting that. Um, yeah, no, in the in the movie, Jane and Emma, it really shows a lot of Emma's character. Um, not necessarily in a lot of uh church reading you see a lot of Emma um, but she was very 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 active in the church she had a lot to do she was very busy super hard working and so I think it speaks a lot to her character that she took the time to be compassionate with Emma or with uh, Jane in that moment and like hey like I know a lot's going on um, rest up and you can start tomorrow yeah absolutely I mean if, if for those of you who don't know or for those of you who might, who might not know a lot more about it uh, Emma Smith, like I said, was the first wife, first wife of Joseph Smith. And I'm sorry that we keep cross-referencing this with the movie, um, but there are two sources that are, you know, very relative. But there are two sources that are very relevant. Um, Emma, in the movie, she kind of, she kind of expresses that it's hard for her to be in this relationship with a prophet that everyone loves, with someone that everyone loves and wants to be close to. But she also wants to love that person with all of her heart. So it's kind of, it's an interesting little thing. It's something that not many people think about. Um, but I think I think it's an interesting little dynamic that they had. And it, it really speaks a lot, like you said, George, about Emma, for her to just, you know, accept this other woman coming into her home and, and working and, you know, accepting the other wives and, and everything like that as well. So, you know, I think it does say a lot about her character. I think it's super important, too, to note that during this time, it was in the very beginning of the church. And so they were very, very busy with organizational things of the church and building up the church um, and going through all of that process. So they were constantly busy with everything. They had a bunch of people always in their homes and everything. It wasn't uncommon uh, for Joseph to to handle church meetings at home, to be gone for super long. Um, and so Emma definitely did have to deal with only having very very few moments with her husband yeah well let's i mean speaking of, of jane and emma let's talk a little bit more about their their family let's go down to the next section uh which is entitled relationship with the smith family and the summary there talks a little bit about how uh jane lived in their in their mansion house for several months um and because the temple hadn't been built yet joseph smith made or did some early endowments at locations including upper the upper room of the mansion house uh, and Jane, it says here that Jane remembered washing the prophet's temple clothes and feeling a sense of reverence as she handled them. She also remembered discussing the gospel with four of Joseph Smith's plural wives, Emily Patridge, Eliza Patridge, Maria Lawrence, and Sarah Lawrence, and having positive relationships with them 
as well as with Lucy Max Smith and Emma Smith. I mean, that's that speaks volumes because I've always wondered how <laughs> wives got along or if they got along when you know plural wives was a thing or plural marriage was a thing. Yeah. Um. That yeah that that says a whole lot and that says a whole lot about them too that that many people all of his wives in a time where racism was was the popular thing it was the norm um all of them were had good relationships with jay man and james i think that speaks a lot about about joseph smith and the people he surrounded himself with and uh, those women as well yeah especially when the the not the default of everyone is racism at the mm-hmm. time um, and so for her to be welcomed into this home um, around all these people that she's never met and to to state she's had positive relationships with them, um, with all of them, I feel like that's an amazing thing. Even if um, we make the assumption that it may be a little bit skewed to, based on her past and her uh, past relationships, that I think she could still recognize a negative relationship or, or if anything bad happened. Um, so her saying that, that she had positive relationships with all of them, I feel like that is super um, indicative of the type of relationship and the type of people they were. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I think we're gonna and we're, we're gonna talk about that a little more as we as we read on. Um, but staying in the same section, but skipping that that next paragraph, we're gonna go down where it says, "Sister Emma asked me one day," um, and this is Jane Manning James speaking here. She says, "Sister Ma- Sister Emma." This is Jane Emma Jane. And this is Jane Manning James speaking here. She says, Sister Emma asked me one day if I would like to be adopted to them as their child. And I did not answer her. She said, I will wait a while and let you consider it. She waited two weeks before she asked me again. When she did, I told her, no, ma'am. And there's an exclamation point at the end of that. I want everybody to to know. No, ma'am, because I did not understand or know what it meant. They were always good and kind to me, but I did not know my own mind. I did not comprehend. Um, oh, and once again, I'm sorry we keep cross-references with this, cross-referencing this with the movie, but um, in the movie Jane and Emma, it's a really, really interesting little conversation they have there um, because it is a new, that, that kind of thing, that kind of relationship that, that Emma Smith was offering Jane was a new kind of thing. Um, People doesn't didn't do that. Like I said, it's the time during during slavery when it was the normal prominent thing going on in the world. Um, but so yeah, I, I, super interesting, right? I mean, that's that's something that doesn't happen, and she's she's offered this opportunity, and because she didn't know, and I don't blame her. That is something that like because it's so new, you don't know what's going to happen or what's going to be the result of it. She didn't take it. It's interesting. Yeah, because that's super weird. Just the phrase of her, a grown woman. Um, speaking to another grown woman, asking her if she wanted to be adopted as a child, I can understand where she would be confused, especially Mm -hmm. with leaving her home and in this very new environment with very new people, not really understanding a lot of the church. Um, And so not, not understanding what that means. Um, I, I, so uh, the little point down at the bottom um, where she says she didn't understand, she didn't know her own mind. Um, I wonder, I would like, I would have liked to have that a little bit more expounded upon. Um, because yeah, I'm, not, I'm not exactly sure what she means by she didn't understand her own mind. 
Right. Um, I was I was kind of thinking the same thing. I mean, we do have to we do have to remember that it wasn't that this isn't literally the autobiography of Jane Manning Jane. Like she didn't write this herself. Um, she trusted someone else to write this. So while it is, you know, I guess sanctioned by her, it is a loose, not a loose, but it is a version of a translation, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's a version of what she said. So maybe she did explain and the woman thought that it'd be too much. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, no, it is interesting that she said that. I didn't really, that didn't kind of go with the style of writing or, it's kind of off. It's interesting. Um, but no, let's uh let's scroll on down as the martyrdom and trek west. We're gonna skip past that that section, uh, but I do encourage everyone listening to give it a good little quick read through. It's a short one, but some nice little details in there of uh, of their trip to Salt Lake City. Uh, and then the next section is of course life in Salt Lake City. Uh, and the little synopsis right there at the top says, while the events of 1843 and 1844 took up the bulk of her life sketch. More than two-thirds of her life was spent in Salt Lake City. She and her family played important roles in the history of the area. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and continue reading uh, the next paragraph. May 1848, my daughter, and this is Jane Manning James speaking here. May 1848, my daughter, Mary Ann, was born. All of my children but two were born here in this valley. Their names are Silas, Sylvester, Mary Ann, Miriam, Ellen Medora, Jesse, Jerry, Bone, Isaac, Violet, all of them with their heavenly father except two, Sylvester and Ella Medora. Um, and also in the movie, if you guys haven't ch- seen it yet, you should check it out. Sylvester's a cute little kid in it. Super um, cute. Yeah. My children, this is her speaking again. My children were all raised to, to men and women and all had families except two. My husband, and for those of you who don't know, uh, that means that all of them were, all of them made it to be adults. Uh, and they all have families except for two of them. My husband, Isaac James, worked for the brother Brigham, and we got along splendid, accumulating horses, cows, oxen, sheep, and chickens in abundance. I spent all the cloth for my family clothing for my family's clothing for a year or two, and we were in a pro- prosperous condition until the grasshoppers and crickets came along carrying destruction wherever they went. And then she kind of goes on uh, talking about how the crops and everything went through a, a really bad, a terrible time. Um, and they were kind of on the verge of, of poverty almost. They, it says in the next paragraph, they were cold. She suffered cold of cold and hunger. Um, and the keenest of all was to hear her little ones cry for bread, and she had none to give them. So she went through several, several hard times. Um, and then we're going to go ahead and skip down to the next section. But one interesting part that I did want to um, I did want to talk about a little bit was the ending paragraph of that section, and it says, uh, "Where are we?" It says, "After she." One interesting section that I did want to talk about, one interesting paragraph at least, was the very last one. It says, "Oh, how I suffered of cold and hunger, and the keenest of and the keenest of all was to hear my little ones crying for bread, and I had none to give them." But in all, the Lord was with us and gave us grace and faith to stand with it all, to stand it all. I've seen Brother Brigham, Brother Taylor, Woodruff, and Snow rule this great work and pass on to their reward. And now we have Brother Joseph F. Smith. I hope the Lord will spare him. If tis his if tis his 
holy will. For many, many years to guide the gospel to sh I hope the Lord will spare him if tis his holy will. For many, many years to guide the gospel ship to a harbor of safety. And I know they will if the people will only listen and obey the teachings of these good, great, and holy men. I have lived right here in Salt Lake City for 52 years, and I have had the privilege of going into the temple and being baptized for some of my dead. Okay, I'm be honest, George. I have a few thoughts with this. One, for just off the top, first thing is, I think, I think it says a lot about her, her character, that she is literally on the verge of poverty, and she still says, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow this religious leader. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what he says. I just hope that if it's Lord's will, you know, we'll, we'll be taken up. That's amazing for someone to have that much faith, especially in a time of, of poverty. Um, after you were prosperous for so long. But, George, I'm also, it all just seems like everything we've read so far seems very, I don't know, very happy and like, you know, I had a great time. I It kind of seems like yeah, so oh, I had a great time. I had a great life. I, I, I stayed strong in the faith. And, you know, it's kind of like. It is super crazy because. Uh, it's not very real. It goes, it's the the paragraph starts off saying about how she suffered of cold and hunger and how the worst part was to hear her children crying for food and she couldn't give them any. But then it's like, bless, but bless Brother Brigham um, that they'll be able to, to live and be prosperous. Um, so I think either she was crazy, 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 stupid, grateful for everything or it might not be as an accurate representation of her thoughts. And and real quick, um, everybody out there listening to us, George and I are from Washington, D.C., so sometimes our slang comes out a little bit. When he says she was stupid, crazy, faithful, it means like she was very, very faithful. Yeah, <laughs> she was extremely faithful. Um, it's just an exaggeration of whatever you're talking about. So, But, no, I wholeheartedly agree, George. It was either she was very very into it or it might it could be a little fluff you know who knows yeah because like it's not uncommon for you to have a bad day and be like well at least at least still got a roof over my head but yeah. i feel like it's it's a bit extreme that she was cold and hungry and her children were cold and hungry and, and crying for food and then she goes on to kind of pray for the leadership of the church and i don't know because we do also see that today um, mm -hmm. like especially with older members of the church, so that may have just been the culture mm -hmm. back then. Like, like yes, the 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 well being of the church was almost put above people's personal well being at mm -hmm. a lot of times. Um, and so it could be it could be that that is what we're saying. It could also be that it might not be as accurate to what her actual feelings were. Feelings were. Yeah. I mean, it, but it also is very possible because, I mean, it's and clear we, how strong of a woman she was. And know? we haven't seen anything to suggest the Otherwise. contrary. Yeah. And so yeah, it, sure. it could also be that we just haven't found any mm -hmm. evidence to that. But I don't know. And, and throughout all of this biography, the theme is that she is super grateful for everything. And she it talks about how, like, her faith remains strong. Like, hey... Um, this crazy trial happened, 
But I was a strong leader. I was a strong leader. This happened, but I was strong. This happened, but I was strong. And we do see that in people today and in in non-members and in church members. So she could have just been that person. Yeah, 100%. And she is that strong of a woman. So it's it's very possible. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of... There's just not a lot of information about Jane. Yeah, 100%. It's... It was a very long time ago, so it's hard to get information about her. Uh, but let's let's go ahead on down to the to the next section, uh, current circumstances. I'll go ahead and read that little summary that it has in the beginning. And Georgia, if you can take over that section, uh, we don't know exactly when Jane dictated her life sketch to Elizabeth Roundy. That's the person who wrote it, uh, who wrote this whole biography that we're reading. But her statement that she lived in Salt Lake City for 52 years suggests a date of 1900 or later. Though she had experienced many different kinds of trials in her life at that point, oh, to that point, her faith remained strong. That's crazy. We were just saying that. Um, but go ahead, George. Start, take away the next section. Um, in this part, it goes on to say, um, I'm so from the perspective of Jane, um, I'm now over 80 years old and I'm nearly blind, which is a great trial to me. So she, she can't so see. So she is like, hey, everything. I'm almost 80. Um, life has been crazy, and on top of that, I'm almost blind. Um, also, not so fun fact. Uh, I forgot to tell you. I went to the eye doctor the other day, and they said I have a chance of of getting glaucoma in my right eye. Crazy. Where was the the twenty three and Me? Right, I did the twenty three and Me. George brings that up. I did the twenty three and Me. They didn't say anything about that. I thought I was perfectly healthy. But anyway, we digress. Uh, I hope I don't. They said maybe me is a chance. If I do, I'm getting an eye patch for sure, though. Um, (laughs) uh, But go ahead. Keep reading, though, please. I'm going to call you Nick Fury. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, For anyone listening and has the capability, uh, please make uh, Jamal into Nick Fury and get those memes circulating. You Um, guys don't know my social medias. You can't make it happen. We'll, we'll get it to you. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, she talks about how this is the greatest trial she's ever been called to bear. Um, which I, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, especially with slavery, I don't know if that's... Well, but see, that's the, the thing. Worst. It wasn't... She wasn't... No because she hasn't known that. She's known of that lifestyle, but she didn't really have to go through that. Exactly. Yeah, because her grandma was a slave. Her mom was a slave, but then became a freed slave. And then she is, uh, is a technic- technically a free woman. Um, it's... But, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, possibly. It does sound like they could... I wish... There are harder trials for some people, but, you know. I wish we knew more about, like, what her day-to-day life was like. Yeah. Um, because this is a time of extreme racism. Yeah. And so I don't know what her... Because she talks about how everyone's super nice to her um, and how she's super grateful for everything, but I don't know what her day-to-day life was. Like, I don't know to what level of racism, if any, was present. Um, if she was just like, hey, this is okay, this is what it is, it's not as bad as it could be, so I'm just going to let it slide. Um, or if there was actually no racism. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's look. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll finish the rest of the section and, and I'll. I'm gonna add on to that because I also I have some feelings about that. I want to say. Um, the next section it says, "I'm a widow." This is Jane speaking again. I'm a widow. My husband Isaac James died November 1891. I have seen my husband and all of my children, but two 
laid away in the silent tomb. But the Lord protects me and takes good care of me in my helpless condition. And I want to stay right here that my faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, as taught by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, is as strong today, nay, it is, if possible, stronger than it was the day I was first baptized. I pay my tithes and offerings and keep the word of wisdom. I go to bed early and rise early. I try in my feeble way to set a good example to all. I've had 18 grandchildren. Eight of them are living, also seven great-grandchildren. I live in my little home with my brother Isaac, who is good to me. We are the last two of my family. I want him to stay there after me. This is just a concise but true sketch of my life and experience. Yours in truth, Jane Elizabeth James. George, does that sound like the way... And I'm not pointing any fingers or anything, but George, does that sound like the way someone would end their autobiography? Where does... So, really, real quick. So, well, it ends uh, Jane Elizabeth James. Where does that come from? Like, where does the Elizabeth come from? Because all throughout we've been referring to her as Jane Manning James. I'm not sure. Um, it, because there are people in the world that are super, super positive um, and choose to only focus on the positive. Um, because all throughout she says, like, these crazy things are happening. Like, in that first paragraph where she talks about how she's 80 years old and going blind, she ends that paragraph by saying, um, but I hope my eyesight will spare me, um, poor as it is, that I may be able to go to meeting and go to the temple and do work for the dead. Which is is not <laughs> the norm of what people feel. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm going blind. But you know what? I just hope that I can see well enough to go to the temple and do work for the dead. Exactly. So she might have just been this amazing, grateful person, but I don't know. Yeah, it just sounds it just sounds like, you know, the person who wrote this, wasn't it Elizabeth Roundy? Yeah. It sounds like Elizabeth Roundy um either depicted her experiences, Jane's experiences perfectly or very very wrong. I don't I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical of it just because it doesn't sound logically it doesn't make a lot of sense. We don't have a whole lot of sources either to like cross don't. reference either. No, we just um, have what the church provides us really. This there's there's some information there. so there's I have been able to find like general information. So like mm -hmm. yes, so like information that confirms she was in indeed born in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. She did go to Nauvoo. She did live with Joseph Smith. Like mm -hmm. we can we can validate these facts, but I don't know about any of the other stuff. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know what her actual day-to-day -day life was. We just have a few sources about her saying, like, hey, they were good to me, but, but I don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know what how what her actual interactions were. Yeah. No, it's, it's weird. It's hard because I really do struggle with trying to understand the situation, especially with the movie Jane and Emma. Um, it's just hard to, to understand that kind of relationship being okay with everyone in the relationship, you know? So Jane saying, you know, I, you know, I'm cool with just, with just serving you guys and, you know, and this and that. 
Um, but, but I don't know because that could have just been the culture of the church because there are still a lot of members today that are just super, super down for the church. You're right. Um, and Absolutely. especially like especially older generation, like they live and breathe and do everything for the church. Yeah, service. Um, it's all service oriented. Like in, in talks you hear like, especially especially older women getting up about how they're just so grateful that they can still do service for the church. Yeah. Um, here in Rexburg, we hear a lot about um, women just being super grateful that they can serve in their callings. Um, and so that, that might be what it is. Mm-hmm. But we don't know. Like, we don't have enough information to say, oh, that's what it is. Because there is this thought of like, was it? Or is this what the author of this is saying? Yeah. And then, okay. And so... Also want to before we before we wrap up J-Man and James I also want to talk a little bit about um one of the more uh prominent pieces of her history and that is when she asked uh the then prophet Brigham Young if she could be sealed if she could take up the Smith family on their offer and be sealed to them uh, as a child in their family and she thought that it would be a very she thought it it would be an, an accomplishable thing. Like it's it's a thing that she can do because so many people at the time. This was after Joseph. This was after Joseph Smith's uh, death. So many people at the time wanted to be sealed to the family or to Joseph Smith, and most of them were. A lot of men, for the most part, were sealed to Joseph Smith as his child, um, and a lot of men and women. Um, and so she thought that it wouldn't be a huge deal. But Brigham Young. Uh, denied her, and he didn't let her get sealed at all. Uh, she couldn't do endowments at all, and then she just kept pestering and pestering the church. Not pestering, I guess I shouldn't say that. Petitioning. She kept petitioning, exactly. She kept petitioning and asking the church and inquiring um, until eventually they did something that they have never done before and haven't done since. They sealed her as a servant to the Smith family, to Joseph Smith's family. Not as a child, as she she wanted, or as she claimed they offered her. Um, they sealed her as a servant. That's never been heard of. It's, it never happened before that, and it hasn't happened since. And it's also even more interesting that she actually still wasn't allowed to go into the temple. Yeah, she wasn't even, she, she so one, Brigham Young, super racist. But two, they, she wanted to be sealed as a child, um, and they were like, um, no, how about a servant? Also, you can't be there when we do that. So, um, no to everything you want. Yeah. Like how, how, uh, and it's, and this is just another thing that makes me, that makes me like so interested in her true history, you know, because we, at, both of us are African-American. Both of us are members of the LDS church. Before we did this research, how many times have you heard of Jane Manning James? Zero. How many times before we did any of this research have you heard of any of the other people that we're going to talk about, the black LDS members? Zero. None. So it's something that we don't really talk about. I also... I, I, think, it's because, I think it's because of her petitioning to be sealed and, you know, she was shut down and then eventually she was sealed as a servant, which everyone knows is, I don't want to say a bad word but everyone knows isn't fair or doesn't make sense at least yeah super Um, racist it it probably was just brigham young in all of his racist glory 
trying to appease other racist members in the church. Um, Because, like, I... So, assuming that all the records that we have and all the information we read is correct, um, Jane talks about her interactions with her immediate... With all the people in the house, positive, right? Um, So, we can make the assumption that all her immediate people were not overtly racist. And so, I think they were down... They were like, oh, yeah, sure. And Emma even offered Jane to be sealed as a child. And so I think in that house and in their immediate group, they weren't super racist. But I think outside of that, majority of the church and majority of the world was. And this was a time after Joseph Smith had died. And so maybe Joseph Smith was like, hey, was was checking that racism. So maybe members came like, whoa, like you really letting Jane like live in your house? And that's crazy. Um, and then and then maybe he was like, you know what? That's wild. That's racist. Stop it. Um, yeah. But then after he died, I I don't think there was another church leader to check that racism mm-hmm. because we all know, without a doubt, Brigham Young was super racist. Whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't want to. Well, we, uh, we, all, uh, we all think. He wasn't well, as racist <laughs> as he could be, but he was definitely racist. Um, no, I'm, homeboy um, had a lot of issues. I, he did a lot of great things for the church as a, as an organization. Yeah, he was great in other aspects, but that also doesn't make up for the racism. Um, just real quick, um, everything we say on this show is reflective of our views, not the company that we work for, the institute that we attend for university, or anything else in the world, just our opinions. Ditto. Uh, I have zero intentions of being sued, excommunicated, or expelled. Um, but also, uh, a lot of uh, the claims we make are backed up by a lot of evidence. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of evidence saying Brigham Young was racist. And we'll provide that on our website, um, or we'll provide some some sources of some material for you guys to check out uh, about Brigham Young and, and some of the less morally acceptable things from his history, I guess. Yeah. Um, but no, it was just, it's that's one of those things that I think is a reason we don't get taught a lot about black people and in the also, church. And it, also, from, from majority of the church, it means nothing to them. Like, mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with them at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a part of their direct history. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it's a part of the history of the church, but for them, it's Emma's just, or Jane's just an example of someone who's been super faithful through hard trials. Yeah. But for us, it's like, yo, like, what really happened? And that's and that's what that's what I that's what I've been feeling like reading the on the church's website their autobiography of Jamin and James, I kind of felt like it was really just the person who wrote it was really just like hey, the message they were trying to convey was hey if you live righteously and you do all the things that these people say you're supposed to do, and you continue having faith really is is the main thing of it you you continue having faith, uh, you'll be fine you'll succeed things will happen but you just got to persevere. Um, which is a good message, yeah. but I still don't think it's the autobiography of yeah. Jane and James. I would love to have a lot more independent sources of Jane's life. Yeah. Um, there's Yeah, there's not a whole lot out there. Guys, like I said, you're going to be able to check our, our media platforms and see uh, the sources that we use. We use Wikipedia, of course, because everyone uses Wikipedia. You can get something off of there. Um, then we use the church website. Um History.churchjesuschrist.org slash article slash James Manning James. 
Um, and then we viewed a couple commentary articles, a couple YouTube videos, uh, the J. Manning James movie, as well as read a few excerpts from a few books on J. Manning James. So we did, we did quite a bit of research. Um, but we also want to hear about what you guys think. Um, we kind of gave you the synopsis and a good little summary of her life and all the things she's accomplished, all the things she's persevered through, um, and everything like that. But we want to hear a little bit more about, about how you guys feel and what you think about it and also things that you want to hear. So on any of our media platforms, shoot us a message. We will respond within 24 hours. That's a guarantee. Uh, for now, at least, because we have zero <laughs> followers. But when we do get some, we'll hit you back. Um, once again, guys, thank you for joining us on Of African Descent. Agent Peace. <laughs>